0: Do you know those people in your life, or maybe it's somebody you just met, that if they say, hey, you should join this, get this, go here, buy this book, you go, I'm in, baby. You may not even pay attention to what they're saying you should do, but you trust them so much. You go, yeah, they're telling me I'm going to really benefit or like this. I'm going. Well, I don't do that with many people. But my next guest, who, by the way, I only met one time for a few days this summer, texted me and said, Sandy, you should come to this event a few days ago and you're going to love it. And we're having this comedian there. I don't know what happened. I didn't really read it. So I thought it was for a small business association for women. And they were bringing in this comedian. I get there and I realize it's the National Speaker Association for Philadelphia. I thought, what? Oh my gosh. Well, this is going to be fun, but not what I thought. And my guest is saying, Sandy, but I've been telling you about this. And I said, I don't know. I just pushed the button. You said, comedian. You're really going to get a lot out of it. And here I am. And let me tell you, it was one of my favorite events. The people were so amazing and giving and funny and talented. I'm so, so glad that she did reach out. She's a powerful, awesome, amazing woman and leader. I'm so happy to have her in my life. I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation. You are going to love it. And... I know you're going to want to pass it on to others. So many will be inspired by this woman. She is a spitfire. Woohoo, I love her. And also before I introduce you to her, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all those people who've been following me and listening and supporting me and also my new coaching clients and hooking me up with speaking engagements. I really really appreciate you just supporting me believing in me it means so much to me toodles this is let's keep it real with sandy joy weston your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world it's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind We'll tackle topics from all areas of life. And as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Ah, take a deep breath in, grab your tea, grab your coffee, put your feet up. Of course, unless you're driving in your car, it's time for Let's Keep It Real. And I am freaking thrilled that I actually know Elaine. That's right. I met her, I don't know, a month or so ago at Heroic Public speaking. It was a long weekend for, you know, just improving on your ability to get up on stage, whether it's keynote speeches, TED talks, workshops, didn't matter. And I instantly was attracted to her. And I said, Elaine Pasqua, I have to bring you on my show. She's awesome. What she's doing in the world touches so many lives, and it's definitely she's making a positive, powerful difference in the world. So before I bring her in, let me tell you about her. <laughs> I love this bio. Woohoo! A six foot five, two hundred fifty pound man once looked at Elaine, standing at five three, and said, "You are the." Biggest little thing I've ever seen. For 25 years, this funny, passionate, and energetic woman, and I can attest to all that, has been transversing the country. I want you to keep in mind, and she's still doing it, helping her clients obtain peak performance through positive relationships. She has worked with countless businesses and associations. 31 (laughs) professional sports teams across the NFL NBA and MLB, hundreds of college campuses, and are military leaders. Her passion lies in transforming people to create stronger, innovative teams to increase business profits. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Sandy. I'm so glad we met each other this summer. I know, wasn't that like two peas in a pod? We got to hang out, eat dinner, have lunch.
1: We were attached at the hip. It was wonderful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I can't wait to come back up in December because I'm coming to visit you.
1: Oh, good. I can't wait. Our doors are open.
0: Yay. Yeah, it'll be so much fun. All right. So before we get started, if I was going to ask you for one word, good, bad, or ugly, that best describes your past 30 days. What would it be, like
1: Ooh, <laughs> one word? Oh, that's Once, a tough oh, well, one. You know, you
0: could—we'll th- make an exception. You could throw out a few.
1: Enthusiastic. Enthusiastic.
0: All right, yes. tell me more. Why enthusiastic?
1: Because this is a busy time of year for me, and I and I, I love my work, and so um, I jump. I jump into life with enthusiasm, and so it's it's been a good month and just great travel, connecting with. Amazing people uh, working on some exciting projects, and so I, I have enthusiasm for that. You know, COVID really beat our business down, and yeah. and so to to be live again, of course, it's it's slowing down again. But that's that's the reality, and so I'm just uh, taking it and embracing what I had this past month. So I would say enthusiastic, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah, a tough, tough yeah. question. To I mean, ask. we
0: have good days, bad days. I get it. But by the way, you inspired me because I was just thinking everything was going to have to be virtual. So, you know, Bob and Weave, and not that some isn't, but still, even if it's this way today, you know, plan for when it is back up. Because it's going to be there before we know it. All right. So let's talk about one of your trips. What is one of the trips that you would love to share with us? Is something fun that happened or good or empowering?
1: Oh, you mean just recently or like last? um, Yeah. Fordham University. That's my 21st year of working with them with their new students. And it was just... it's fantastic. I love their students. I, I connect with them. They like the fact that I'm very inclusionary. I speak at the uh, Lincoln Center campus, which is a more diverse population. So they have a lot of students that are in the LGBTQ uh, community. And uh, this particular class had the largest international class. I met a, a guy from Egypt, another one from Ethiopia. And, you know, it was so exciting to see These young people coming from all over the world to, to manifest their dreams. So, um, my heart is always full when I leave Fordham. And then the the next day I was with the Coast Guard Academy and, and that was an, that was an honor. And I was there for two days presenting on sexual violence prevention and awareness. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, it was wonderful. The, the woman who hired me to bring me in. She and I are like two sisters from another mother. We just, we agreed on every uh. single thing, whether it's social, political, everything. And she is just, I, we're in love. I mean, I'm in love with her. And uh, she's just fantastic. So they're talking about having me come up again because they really like the work that I did. And, and um you know when when you have an audience that's cheering while they're reading your introduction it, it just sets you up for a good day they 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 just have this level of enthusiasm um that's um you don't see on some other
0: campuses so it was fun. yeah so they were excited about the topic
1: yeah i mean they they were um and You know, I I do a a number of different topics when I work with college students because I talk about positive choices. So I do programming on alcohol abuse and drug abuse and sexual health. I've been affectionately known as the sex lady and uh, Somebody recognized me in the subway in New York City years ago and she screamed out. That's the sex lady And every it was it was rush hour It was so funny to look at the expressions on everybody's faces so um, but this one was specifically about sexual violence awareness and prevention and I'm i am I'm very careful in how I approach this topic because too often the speakers come and they start attacking the men. And if you attack the men, you're going to shut them down.
0: Absolutely.
1: And it's a minority of the men who are sexual offenders. And so you want the majority to be part of the solution. We shouldn't be putting the responsibility on women, but this should be on men as well. And, yeah. and too often we put it on women we construct our language to to blame women you know we say how many people were how many women were raped we don't say how many men raped women so you know it's just we you have to look at all these subtleties that we do within our culture that leads to the woman often being blamed. What did she wear? Why did she go to his room with him? Why was she drinking with him? You know, mm. well, that's what happens when you drink that much. Instead of, why was that guy such an asshole that he did that? Sorry, I'm, should I, My last Yeah, that's person? okay. So,
0: yeah, no, 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 okay. we good. have um, said I'll much worse.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Well, usually I'm from Jersey, F-bomb, you know, that's where <laughs> I grew up. So I'm behaving myself.
0: But go ahead.
1: All right. But anyway, it was, it was just a wonderful week. Um, and now it's quiet again. I'm, I'm working on a video project for Society of Human Resource Management for um, the Garden State for New Jersey. And they're doing a virtual uh, conference. So uh, my deadline, I've been working on it. Oh, it's so many hours of work doing virtual. But yeah, isn't the it? editing... Yeah, but the editing, I mean, I stayed up till eleven o'clock last night edited. I edited probably for three hours this morning. I have more to do and I'm hoping to finish it this afternoon and render it. But it's on um diversity, equity and inclusion. So it's uh so there's a number of different topics. You know, over twenty five years you sort of expand your areas of expertise. People ask you to do things and I like learning. I like trying yeah. out new things. So even at my age, you know, I'm I'm in my 60s, but I'm still going strong.
0: You're just getting started.
1: Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> there ain't no stopping me now.
0: You know, I want to back up um, and talk a little bit about, you know, what you were saying that you were speaking with the uh, at the Coast Guards and kudos to you for attacking this topic. Because like you said, I mean, you could really have a huge impact or turn people off, and I think it's a very fine line. And it, I, yes. I mean, you have to be really great at what you do. I'd be scared to talk, talk about it. like that. I would say something wrong.
1: Well, you know, you you do walk on eggshells, and and you know, I had one young woman who was very angry with me um, because you can just say one word that triggers somebody, and yeah. so you know, you you can't please everybody, but you can't look at the one person that was really upset, even though it doesn't. bother you, you have to look at the majority that are happy. And we tend to beat ourselves up for things like that. But my approach is different. I've worked with the Kansas City Royals for about three years in a row I think I was with them and they also had me working with their coaches and the coaches were just that was domestic violence and sexual assault Oh, and they were saying you know your approach is just so refreshing because instead of saying what's wrong with that person we should say what happened to that person because we're all born into this world with a clean slate so so much of this violence is multi-generational Or where did the person grow up? What kind of relationships did they have with people of the opposite sex or same sex? You know, what created this experience. And so we have the responsibility to engage in peer mediation and peer, you know, education, call them out on their sexist language or derogatory language and just say, hey, that could be my mother, my cousin, my sister, whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't appreciate it. And you take the power away from them because domestic violence and sexual assault is not an issue of somebody wanting, well, especially the sexual assault, wanting to get lucky because they're horny. It's an issue of power and control. And so when you call somebody out on it, you're literally taking the power away
0: from them. So, I mean, when the coaches hire you, right, did they Mm -hmm. say, listen, this is the outcome I want? You know what I mean? Can, you know, like, did they specifically say, this is what I want you to address? Do they give you the nitty gritty?
1: I ask them, I tell them what I have to offer. And I tailor my program specifically for each audience that I work with. So for instance, Major League Baseball, they have a mandate that every year, The minor league players or the rookies go through training on domestic violence, child abuse, and sexual assault. So then I'm tailoring the program to address those three topics. When I go to different universities, I'm doing something different. When I've worked with the military, I'm talking about the effects of alcohol on the brain, and hence the decision-making process, the misunderstandings and the miscommunication that happens when somebody is under the influence that could potentially lead to a sexual assault scenario or yeah. the unprotected sex you know the alcohol is the underlying problem or cause in so many of these different scenarios mm. so i talk about uh, you know they they love the fact that i am t- a science wonk so i talk about what the alcohol does to the brain and how we're as we're absorbing more alcohol we systematically shut down one area of the brain after another and then i go with the corresponding functions that are lost with the increased quantities You can explain science in very basic, easy ways for people to understand. And I believe, you know, too often I've seen speakers talk about alcohol and they're like, you know, um, I had a DUI, I screwed up my life, I was in jail, but they don't get down to the nitty gritty of how to consume safely and why we need to consume safely. And that's what i do
0: i need to talk to you more about that not separate from this podcast because i am fascinated by the brain and how it works and i would love that information and i not that i can understand it from that severe level but i know personally if i go out to dinner and i have a glass of wine no big deal if i have two glasses of wine it's more likely that I'm gonna eat foods that I don't want to eat <laughs> and so I, get I say, it. you know what I mean like there's something that's occurring in your brain that you know whatever it is like y- your goals of what you wanted your mission of eating healthy and clean I know I'm gonna eat junk because I don't know what's going on in the brain it just doesn't care as much like my goals go out the window
1: exactly and it doesn't care as much because what happens is the body can only clear one drink an hour. So when you're pounding them down at a faster rate than that, you flood the brain with alcohol. And the area of the brain that we shut down first is the prefrontal cortex, which is right there behind your forehead. Oh. Impulse control, emotions, long-term planning, social cues, you know, behaviors, all those different things. And that's why you get that eff attitude and you start eating you're like, ah, screw it. Yeah, yeah, you you lose your ability. The, the, The prefrontal cortex is basically the guardian angel of the rest of us. And it keeps us in check. It makes us behave. And so when we shut it down, we don't behave.
0: So wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know if I can use that because I'm such a lightweight. I'm lucky if I have two glasses of wine and four hours. So you're saying the brain, it's one hour per drink?
1: One drink per hour. But still... If you don't drink much, I haven't drank in thirty years because there's a history of esophageal cancer in my family. so okay. I get really I get really severe heartburn, just even taking one sip of wine. So uh-huh. I'm like, I got one body, I'm gonna be good to it, and because it's the only one I got. Yeah. So there's my you. quality of life. Yeah. so so anyway, you know if if you don't drink much, you're going to feel it more than those that drink. Okay.
0: All right. More often
1: because they're building up a tolerance and you don't have that same tolerance. So, so don't beat yourself up over (laughs) being a lightweight. That makes (laughs)
0: sense. But I, I'm fascinating. I just, one more question about the brain. Is it everyone's brain is one drink per hour or does it depend on who you are? your genetics, your size?
1: Genetics, body weight. I mean, when we're saying one drink an hour, that's average. So a man, a man will be legally drunk after consuming five drinks in two hours, and a woman four drinks in two hours. But that's average. I'm 5'3". I weigh 105 pounds. (laughs) You know, I'm going to be wasted on three sips. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's, we, we we do the, draw these numbers from averages, but there are actually BAC cards that you can get blood alcohol and it, it's got a graph. So it shows your weight and the amount of drinks that you have in so many hours and what your average blood alcohol level will climb to.
0: Well, you know, the good thing is the young kids nowadays have Uber and there's a lot less of them getting behind the wheel. But yep. the bad thing is, which some of them have said to me, they drink more knowing there is an Uber. Do, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yep.
1: Yep. You know, and there's, there's so many things too. Another thing that happened a few years ago is kids were starting to combine energy drinks or they came out with a product for Locos. So what alcohol does is it, it depresses the central nervous system. So as you drink more, your body shuts down and then it's almost like a defense thing. You shut down. Well, mm. four loco, or combining alcohol with the energy drink, actually causes the person to keep going, keep drinking, oh. keep moving, and then they consume more alcohol, and then they get injured, and they do all, you know, they, they get in trouble with that. I mean, it, the year the Four Loco came out, every university I was speaking to, they had multiple, multiple hospital transports within the first couple of weeks of class. And that's when they finally, they pulled it off the market because you saw how dangerous this product was.
0: You know, I never thought of that because I do remember seeing so many people mixing. um, I just saw it recently at the bar. They were having a drink and then one of those high energy things. And you're right. You don't know how drunk you are. Right, right. You don't. You don't It keeps you going. Never even thought of that. This is fascinating to me. But back to your original point, you're saying that's when most of the sexual misconduct happens.
1: 90% of cases of sexual violence occurs under the influence of alcohol. One or both are under the influence.
0: Wow. So I guess you speak on that a lot.
1: Oh, definitely. Oh, well, and and 80% the person knows the perpetrator. So yeah, we often think of sexual violence as like, you know, the bad stranger jumping out of the bushes. But the person usually knows the individual that's assaulting them. And the alcohol is shutting down. One or both Mm. of the people are under the influence. So if we can reduce the amount of alcohol that people are consuming, we could reduce the sexual violence.
0: You know, Elaine, I'm just so proud of you for attacking this. Thank you. I mean, it's it's a huge subject. It's so needed. And to go in and have these, a a lot of young people embrace you and listen to you. I mean, that's unreal.
1: Well, I think if you approach them in a non-judgmental way, I am a survivor. Most women I know are survivors of sexual violence. I've had multiple, I mean, after the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, I was down in Tampa working that day at the University of Tampa, and I flew home the next day and I was so angry. I pulled out my computer and I started to write every incident. When I was chased down the street by a group of guys in a car, when I was stalked in Providence, Rhode Island, to fearful for my life, uh, when I was pulled in a, in a bedroom at a party you know when I had too much to drink when I was slipped a date rape drug in Philly and the list goes on oh, and gosh. I just and so many women I know have experienced, and I know a lot of men have too and they don't yep. speak out and so I'm coming at them not from a judgmental place but from an experiential place I don't spend a lot of time talking about my story um but um I share stories of people within their age group so they can relate to it more yeah but um you know, I I just, I'm entertaining. I do infuse some comedy here and there. I know when to put it in where it's appropriate and yeah. not appropriate. Yeah. I mean, it, because yeah. it's a touchy subject, but you can throw a few things in here and there and you can have fun with them and still educate them and engage yeah. them. And the thing that I like most is when students come up to me after and thank me and I'll say, you know, what most spoke to you and, and, and get different opinions from them. But what I like is when they say to me, I learned that I have to keep my radar up at parties and I need to look ah. out for my friends. Cause we get involved in bystander intervention and I give them tips because I say, starting today, you are all going to become part of this campaign. The It's on Us campaign. I first, I share the emotional effects that sexual violence has on the victims. And then I say, we want to prevent people from going through this. And because we want people to have healthy, relationships moving Mm. forward and healthy lives moving forward and so I then talk about bystander intervention and what they can do to prevent this from happening to other people
0: love it and you know what that's the secret sauce education laughter and you're not making them feel bad for who they are you're not coming in with judgment
1: no well who am I to judge I could write a book See, and here's the thing, Sandy, and, and for all you people who are my age, I'm going to throw this out at you. The worst thing you can do is become judgmental when you were wild and crazy in your young age. And I think it's all important that we remember what we did. I can yeah. immediately take myself and put myself right in the frame of mind that I was at at 21 years of age. And I don't think we should forget that. Because mm. if you do, then you become judgmental and then you can't relate yeah. and you're not going to do anybody a favor. So you've got to, yeah. you, you just have to be open and open and honest. That's, that's, that's all that matters.
0: Isn't there, and I don't know, I had somebody on a year ago that talked about the different ages and how the brain is able to reason and not, and it doesn't fully yep. develop to like 25 or something.
1: Exactly. And that's all the prefrontal cortex. That's ah. that's all. So with alcohol, you're shutting down the area of the brain that's not fully mature. So that's why it's even more harmful. <laughs> and you can harm your, uh, you can arrest your cognitive development too. If you're doing heavy binge drinking under the age of 25, because there's some really important final stages of brain development that are occurring in the late teens and the early 20s, where you're pruning away excessive neural connections and mm. pathways, and you're creating more efficient ones. So if you drink a lot of alcohol, you interfere with that process. And this is why you see those people who are still living in their parents' basement when they're 28, 29 years old, because they they just burn themselves out with partying
0: too much. I thought it was just to save money. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> that too. So, But there are plenty that are down in that basement that don't want to be there. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. All right, so switching gears a little bit. Have you always done this for a living? I mean, is this how you started out? Did you know this is the area no. that you wanted to go into? What did you do before? Life happens
1: Life happens while you make other plans. I was a dental hygienist. I was a dental assistant for three years while I was what? going through college. I was a dental hygienist for 13 years, a dental assistant for three years. And then I met my husband and I went into business with him. I left dentistry and... um He was designing his own line of lamps and vases, so I worked for his business, and then Ah. we together started a business of restoring antique porcelain objects. And you're going, well, Sandy, how the hell, or Elaine, how the hell did you get to where you are now? Well, what happened is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> life happens while you make... My stepfather, my dad died very suddenly um, in the middle of a tennis game when he was only 49 years old. And mm-hmm. my mom was widowed now at 46 years old. Oh and one of my dad's closest friends from work, he lost his wife 10 months prior to that. And... Oof. He was part of the clinical trials of interferon because he had contracted hepatitis B from his first wife who got that from a blood transfusion. So now my mom and Charlie get together and they're falling in love, but they know, he knows he could pass the hep B on to her. So he said, I won't get intimately involved with you. I don't want to do this to you. And so he found out about this clinical trial. And they were giving uh, a group of men uh, hepatitis B carriers. It was done at Stanford University. Two different substances and, um, to see if they could clear them of the hep B. And the one was uh, substance was made from human plasma. And the blood supply that they were drawing it from was coming out of San Francisco. 1979, AIDS was circulating in the population. And we didn't know it. And because we didn't oh, start boy. to see the first cases. So he unknowingly contracted HIV and unknowingly passed it on to my mom. And we lost both of them. And we lost him in 1990 and we lost my mom in 1995. And while my mom was on her deathbed, we had to, we had to keep it a secret. They didn't want anybody to know, um, because they were afraid that they would be shunned and rejected. And so, like so many people were back yeah. then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, When she was on her deathbed about a week before she died, I said, Mom, can we finally tell people the truth about what's happening to you now? And can I start educating people? Because if we don't, we're not going to teach people about the prejudices against those with AIDS. And she Mm -hmm. nodded her head, yes, she wasn't able to speak. And so right after her funeral, I called the health department here in Bucks County, PA, and they started bringing me into schools. I started working with the College of Medicine and Dentistry through my connection. So I was working with health professionals, talking about the psychosocial dynamics of HIV and AIDS. And then two years into it, I called local college, DelVal College. And this is a lesson for everybody that I want them to know. You don't know... They, there's, a, there's a thing about weak ties, studies that have been done, and it's not the people in our immediate inner circles that are going to give us the best pop, um, opportunities. It's the people who we just happenstance to brush by. And mm, people like to I mentor. Love that. And people like to help. So this dean of students at uh, DelVal, Jay Wright, um, hired me to come in. I called him up. I, I built my whole career on cold calling. And so I called him up. And shut um,
0: the front door.
1: Oh, shut the back one too. It did <laughs> great. <laughs> so, so anyway, I Jay, love that. So, Jay um, hired me to come and do an RA training program on HIV and AIDS. And he brought me back to his office. He sat me down. And he said, Do you have a speaking agent? And I said, No. And he goes, Well, there's people that do this for a living. They actually are on the college circuit and they travel around the country and speak. He spent hours mentoring me, helping me get publicity materials, doing a demo reel, um, hooking me up with my first agent that I had. I've been on my own for many years. But Hmm. um, this one person totally changed my life. And so for the first few years, I spoke about HIV and AIDS, but then I was hearing all the stories of kids who were getting thrown out of school because of one night, one inconsequential decision. Hmm. So then I recognized, and that's the thing, we all need to recognize trends and changes. And um, I recognized that I needed to address alcohol. I needed to address sexual health in general sexual assault and i started to do my research and expand my area of of expertise and the rest is history
0: that is some story young lady holy moly hoochie mama talk about the journey from one to the other to the other oh i know
1: i tell people that the most painful experience in my life has taken me to the most gratifying
0: absolutely absolutely and the thing is you're passionate about it so like when you're changing topics or adding this one, you really want to get the word out there. You can hear it in your voice.
1: I want to make a difference in people's lives. You know, lately I've been doing work with diversity and inclusion. And I love that because I want people to get along. We're so, we're so divided now, but there's more that unites us than divides us. So, you know, and I still have passion for the other topics too. I, I know some people say, stick in your lane, just stick in one lane, but There's so many lanes to be addressed and you can be good at doing several things. And it makes life more interesting too.
0: And I think it's a personal thing. There are people that need to do one thing and if they don't, it doesn't work for them. I'm more like you. I would go in, like someone just said to me, you need to pick which group you're going after. You can't be speaking at a company and then speaking at a school. And I'm like, well, why not? Why not? I know. I've done both it's, very well. You it's know? the same message. I mean, I just like humans. You just tail. You just
1: tailor your message a little differently. You know, when yeah. I'm going into the military, I'm going to approach alcohol very different about yeah. how they need to work well as a team, as a troop, for each other's safety. And you know, it's just it's just different. It's a, and athletes need to work for their team because alcohol affects their physical ability and their mental capabilities for the next few days. So.
0: But you you have the same expertise. It's still the same genre to me. And you just, you know, identify what they need and and what's going to have the most impact. And I can just see you there. It it would crack me up. I want to come watch. I can just see you amongst these Big, huge, like football players. Oh,
1: it's I'm in a canyon. I am in a canyon, and I travel around the country sometimes with a blue penis because I do condom demonstrations. So, oh, I,
0: shut up. So oh. I have a
1: blue latex penis in my bag, I and love that's you. always. Wait, you know, the why are TS... you
0: doing condom demonstrations? They must know how to use them.
1: No, they don't. They're just putting them on. You have to pinch the tip. You have oh, to do Lord certain have... things so it doesn't break. So. You know, I love I, you. This so I is... fly, so fly out of Philly, and for a long time I was going out of Terminal F, and I knew all the TSA guys. This was when I used to do like 75, 80 gigs a year. I'm, I've, I've slowed it down. And, and then COVID slowed it down. But I would be on the TSA line, and, uh, and the guys would look at me and they'd go, Hey, Elaine, we're ready for Big Blue today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real hit with TSA. Or they'll look at me and they'll go, have a nice vacation, lady.
0: By the way, uh, look at me. I still didn't know there was a wrong way to put it.
1: Pinch the tip. Pinch and roll. It takes two hands to put a condom on. Because oh, if you don't pinch Mercy. it, you trap air there and it breaks. Because the average speed of an ejaculation is, what is it now, 20 miles? 20? 20, oh, 24 miles an hour. What? Said, it's been so long since I've done it. It's 28 miles an hour. 28 miles an hour. And the record is 80. There it is. My, I haven't done this in so long that oh, uh, my information doesn't. Yeah. 28 oh, miles s- an hour.
0: You know, what? I love the fact that you have all these little tidbits that most people don't know, you know what I mean? Because they're gonna remember you, not from just your humor, not because you approached them at a level they can understand, but also you're throwing in all these facts, you know, scientific facts that I don't even know.
1: And they love it, like like with the students, there's your humor. Have you ever pondered the average speed of an ejaculation? Well, here's how you can dazzle your friends with at a party the end, then I say the average <laughs> speed of an ejaculation. Oh, by the way, twenty-eight miles an hour.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know, you just throw that shit at them. It's great. It's yeah, fun. I
0: lo- well, I'm definitely going to be using that at a party. Okay. Okay. So Good. So I need to know a few things. And oh my God, the time is just flying by. Do you still, with all the different things with, you know, the internet, do you still do cold calls?
1: Yes, I do. I do <gasps> some. Because for
0: you, baby. Oh, my you know,
1: God. you know why? Because people, no, I don't. Because people delete emails. And, and and so you send emails out and delete, delete, because they yeah, get so many that's of true. them. But that's true. You, you get them on the phone. It's not always easy these days, but you get them on the phone. And the best thing is when you hear them smiling as they hang up. And then, you know, you've created that connection. Yeah. Yeah. This woman at the Coast Guard Academy, I've been I called her up. We've been talking for Two, three years. No. Now she's now she has finally seen me, and now they want to bring me back to address two other different topics. Wait a minute.
0: That's something people need to hear. Talk about dog with a bone. Two to three years, you kept calling her. Mm-hmm. Wait, well, we,
1: I would call. You know, I don't bug people, but I would call.
0: I need to hear. What would you say? I I need to know.
1: I would just say, Hey, this is Elaine. I present program this. Are you looking to do this? Are you looking to address this topic this semester? Would you like me to call back next semester? And if they don't, then I'll call back the following year. Or if I know I'm going to be in the area, if I'm going to be in a campus within an hour, Hey, just want to let you know I'm around block booking. And so, or businesses, same thing with businesses, do the same thing.
0: And you know what? And you can't, you can't worry about it if they don't call you back or they don't pick up. I mean, because it's nothing personal. It is I don't nothing. leave
1: messages. I don't leave messages because people don't call back.
0: Oh, you don't?
1: Mm-mm. You hit star six, seven, and it blocks your number. So if you've called within a couple days a few times, they don't know it's you. So, Or I'll call on my cell phone, and I do have a landline. I'll call on my landline. So I haven't done it as much recently. It's just everything's just been so disruptive. Um, you know, nobody knows what they're doing. So my schedule is quite a bit lighter than it used to be, but I'm okay with that. You know, even though I love what I do, but when you've run around the country, I mean, I used to fly 65 flights a year, so I've been doing virtual. It's not as much fun, but, um, but it's nice to be home too. So there's a balance.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just thrilled to hear that. I haven't done that in years. I used to be in sales, corporate sales for health and fitness companies before I opened my clubs, and I would just make a hundred calls a day. And I was the same thing. I didn't if they picked up, great. If they didn't, but I'd keep calling until they finally said no. Right. Do not call me anymore. I would just go. All right. Well, maybe not now. I'll call you again later. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm so glad you're still doing that. Okay. Let's get this in because I love this that you said you were talking about different cultures and people. Mm-hmm. We are, this is amazing. We are a salad bowl, a a multi- multicultural society that integrates of different cultures that maintain their individual identities or flavors. That is a beautiful thing
1: because we've been called a melting pot for so long, but we're really not. Because if you're melting everybody together, you know, you put fudge and butter together, it just melts and you can't tell which is which when they're in the pot together. But a salad bowl, you got your croutons, you got your tomatoes, you've got your cucumbers. So they have individual flavors, but we all combine to bring one. And so diversity is so much more about race and color, and religion. It's, you know, think of the foods we eat. The banjo came from West Africa. Motown, gospel, you know, Mm. rock. Um, And you all think of all the ethnic restaurants we go to. St. Paddy's Day Parade, Cinco de Mayo, Kwanzaa, all the different holidays. And it all enriches our lives. And, um, you know, there's... We, we try to, we sometimes silo ourselves, and um, because a lot of it's due to unconscious bias, where it's this unconscious thing that our brain is doing to get us to be ha- attracted and hanging out or collaborating with people that are more like us, uh, because it's considered to be efficient, it's considered to be safe you know and this is all unconscious this is something that we don't it's an automatic process we don't have control over and and i think it's important that we talk to other people when we saw the racial uprising last summer or the protests due to george, the murder of george floyd i have a lot of black friends that i've met through my work with athletics and i called a lot of them just to mm. check in and say how are you doing yeah. and everyone gave me a new perspective and we don't take the time to talk. Like like we own a building down in Philadelphia, down in Brewery Town. Um, my son is living in it, and we were looking to fill one of the other rooms. And this was a neighborhood that used to be the hood, and it's in transition right now. We're very sensitive about the people who have been there for years and not wanting them to feel like they're being pushed out. Yeah. And this this gentleman called to answer the ad. And, and you know, we're specific. We want somebody in their late 20s, like my son. And... He called and he was like 55 years old and wanted his girlfriend and five kids to move in. And we knew within two minutes that, or no, not even two minutes, within 30 seconds that this was not going to be a fit. I stand on the phone and talk to him for 20 minutes. Mm. And this man lives in the Strawberry Mansion section of Philly. The hood. He said, I am in a house right now that is falling down around me. And he said, and when I have to go out, I have to literally open the door and stick my head out and look both ways up and down the street to make sure I'm not getting shot. And we don't take the time to talk to people who are very different than us. Yeah. And that's really harmful. Because we yeah. need to know that we all want the same things. We want to be safe. We want food on our plates. We want to raise our families to be healthy. And that's the bottom line. And we need to be helping each other more and not being so judgmental.
0: I, I was reading one of your points, and I love the fact that you say, you know, it's important to communicate openly with others to gain perspective. You have to listen to them.
1: hmm mm-hmm. And we don't listen. We spend... They say that we spend 10% of our time listening to the person and 90% formulating our answer or response. And to be a good listener, Larry King, and I often share this, Larry King said the night that he was signing off on the air, I never learned anything while I was talking. Mm. And so, you know, we we need to listen. I I worked with the NBA years ago. They invited me down to go to the All-Star Game, and it was in New Orleans, 2016. And they had an MBA day of service. They do this every time they do the the tournament that weekend in February. And we went into a very poor neighborhood in New Orleans. And we we were building porches and painting and fences and doing all sorts of things. And at the end of the day, um, this younger woman and then another older gentleman, different neighbors came up and talked to us. And we talked to them for a long time. And it just gave me such a perspective of the struggles that they experienced and it also gave me perspective of what i take for granted in my life. Yeah, yeah. And we need to to do that. We need to talk to people more, you know. Um, it's just it's uh we're t- we're too quick to judge. I had new neighbors that just moved in and i live in a neighborhood where, you know, everybody's college educated, professional, and my brand new neighbors who moved in next door, they came from the country of Georgia. Oh. And he drives a truck, he smokes cigarettes his teeth are kind of broken and rotted. And you look at him. My next door neighbor saw him during the closing and she comes up to me. She goes, I saw them. They're smoking cigarette. They're done. And she's going on and on. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> and then they moved in that afternoon and he looks at us and he goes, neighbor, come, come. And they were so warm. And within 15 minutes, I am hugging his wife. I am in love with them. They have a different perspective because of where they grew up and the oppression that they experienced with Russia. And I came away thinking, this is so much more enriching experience for me than the typical neighbors that we were all hoping that we would have. Yeah. And we sit on their back deck with them and they're they're involved with a large community of people from Georgia. And um and they would every once in a while they'd lift their glass and they'd hold it up to us and they'd go, To good neighbors, to good neighbors. And they're like, <laughs> you come And they're like you come here for fun and they're just they're wonderful they're generous they're warm and again they want the same thing out of life that we all want so we're too quick to judge
0: yeah and you know what i had somebody on oh i guess about six months ago and they were saying and i love that you said this on an unconscious level you look at somebody in within five seconds you've made a judgment call. So you really have to check yourself. We make assumptions
1: within seven seconds, but within one-tenth of a second, we categorize people according to their age or their gender or their color skin. But we make assumptions within seven seconds. And that's, you know, so we have to be careful. You know, we, we have to be careful assumptions. We have to be careful of stereotyping where we're kind of grouping people all under one characteristic of one different group. And then we have to be careful of our microaggressions, too. You know, uh, the imprinting. Uh, A woman sits on an elevator with her daughter every day, and then a a big man gets on. The woman instinctively squeezes her daughter's hand. What kind of imprinting? What is that teaching her daughter? Or, you know, people crossing the street when they see a black person coming up the other way. That's a microaggression. Yeah, Um, yeah. Men talking over women in meetings, you know, it's not intentional behavior but it's hurtful to the person that's on the receiving end of it.
0: Well, I think what I I, I like to do is don't just say, not me, because like you're saying, it could be unconscious, you know, that you don't want to say, well, I'm, I definitely don't do that. I'm not judging a book by a cover. But you have to take a step back right. on a daily basis to check in with yourself. Are you really?
1: And that's one of the things that I talk about. In fact, on this video that I'm working on right now is that we need to do daily assessments and recognize our own conscious, uh, unconscious biases yeah. um, and maybe explicit or conscious biases as well. But we need to... Find out where where was our culture? How were we raised? What's causing us to react to different people's hair, clothing, lifestyles, Mm. whatever. And where is that coming from? And we all have to do our part to um, dispel those.
0: I love it. Well, Elaine, we're going to have to wrap it up and I have to do rapid fire with you. This has been so much fun and so much amazing information. There's things they can pull in so many different areas for everyone. I can't wait for people to share this and hear this, but for now, let's have some good fun. Favorite color. Red. Ooh. Favorite food.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a tough one because I love food. It used to be lasagna because I'm a half Italian. So it used to be lasagna, but mm, I don't know. That's a tough one right now. I love fruit. I like fruit. I
0: like healthy food. There you go. That's good. Okay. What do you like to do in your spare time for fun? A hobby.
1: Gardening. You should see my gardens. I have amazing gardens and it's gentle exercise. And I like hiking too. Hiking and traveling.
0: I want to see your gardens because you know I'm a big gardener and I love it. This weather's amazing. Been amazing. I know. So great. Okay. Okay. What would one of your favorite days look like from beginning to end? What would you do?
1: Get up and go out into the gardens for a couple hours and move around and then go with Jeff, my honey, and go either take a hike somewhere, go listen to some music, just just be out and about, being spending a day with our two sons, too, because I love them dearly. They're they're wonderful. They're wonderful human beings. They're just—they're good. They're good people. They have good values. You know, they care about this world. So, isn't
0: that wonderful?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: then that everybody likes hanging out with one another. That's awesome. Okay, one of your favorite books you've read in the last year.
1: Oh, geez, my favorite one that I've read in the last year. Or just um, a favorite one. Michelle Obama's. Oh, okay. I loved her, you know, I, I loved her book. She's just, She just inspired me. Her life story was remarkable.
0: I have it sitting somewhere, but I haven't read it. So I guess I better pull it out. Oh, you'll love it. You will love it. She's amazing. Okay. If you could be an animal, what would you be and why?
1: A cat. I love cats because cats are, um, <laughs> uh, you know... What more could you ask for? Somebody scratching you behind the ears. They're, you know, you get to jump up on things. You get to move around. You get to sleep when you want. You, they're very sleek. They're very in, they're independent. Um, and they're clean, too. There's just so many wonderful things. I'm a cat person. So I love dogs, too. But I'm, uh, I'm a cat person. So I would say
0: cat. Last thing. When I say the word universe, what does it mean to you?
1: Unity is the first oh. thing that came to my mind. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, unity came to my mind first.
0: All right, Elaine, tell the let's keep it real people how they can reach you, how they can find you, how they can book you.
1: I can be reached via email, Elaine E L A I N E. So it's Elaine at Elaine Pasqua. P is in Peter, A S is in Sam, Q U A dot com. I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. Twitter and I don't do well together, but I
0: go on once in a while.
1: Yeah, i I'm I exact I, same way. I put up a tweet, and there's just this one woman who, she's the granddaughter of the woman who took care of my mom as she was dying, and she always likes my tweets. Nobody else, but Siobhan, <laughs> Siobhan does. I love Siobhan for that. So,
0: Yay, Siobhan.
1: Yay, Siobhan. I know. she's a, She's a sweetie.
0: Any last words before we go for the let's keep it real people?
1: No, you know, just, just, I think we all have our ability and responsibility to make this world a better place. So let's just keep talking to one another. Let's keep educating people, enlightening people and um, get out of our own heads you know, yeah. look at people around We have, we live in a community. This is, this earth is a community and we need to do what we can to, to make it a better place.
0: I like so. that. I like that too. Get out of our own heads. Yep. Yep. I love that one. All right, my let's keep it real people. I know you're going to like it, share it, rate it. We appreciate everything you do and for listening. And you know what I'm going to say until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.